Now, we've been talking about God being a good God, that when bad things happen, it's never because God wanted them to, and it's never because he caused them to. So things that don't happen favorably to you are never because God willed it. And I think most of you know that by now. How many of you already know that by now? All right, I'm here to remind you that for the exception cases, you need to be reminded. And this is one of the reasons concerning Father's Day or fathers, uh, it says, uh, do not provoke your children to wrath lest they be discouraged. And that's why we can't put this on God. He would never cause bad things and provoke you to wrath. He's a good father. He would never do something to your life that would cause you to be angry at him. So all of your suffering, none of your suffering was from God. Because that's the reaction. People that feel like God had something to do with their situation, their negative circumstance, their suffering, they get a little angry with God. Don't do that. He would never do that to you. Proverbs 20. Now, we've talked about the various reasons or categories why bad things happen. Uh, do I need to run through them again? Has everybody got them? You everybody, everybody got them figured out? No, you don't. Okay, I'll go through them again. <laughs> Number one, bad things happen because of original sin, because of the glitch in this earth, because of the sin-infected world. Just put the earth off tilt just enough to where it's pretty good but not perfect every time. That's the main reason why anything goes wrong. Number two reason is because of lack of knowledge. People don't know things about God in the spiritual world, and so therefore they have no antidote when evil comes. You got to know things if you're going to escape things or overcome things. You got to be trained in the ways of God if you're going to overcome in the spirit realm. Number three, bad things happen because of the devil. We know that. There's a devil out there. He's Roman looking for someone he can devour. Who can he devour? Those that don't have right knowledge. Those that don't execute in that knowledge. He can, he can overcome, he can, he can mess up lazy people that neglect learning or neglect doing or neglect following God. Number four reason is because of the law of sin and death. The choice system. Your choices have something to do with what you experience in this life. It goes back all the way to elementary school. You can choose not to study. Your finances will suffer at some point. You can choose not to be conscientious in your early life. There's a, there's a result from that. Don't just look at your adult life and say, why did this happen to me? A lot of things start when you're elementary school. That's why you need parents that force you to do what's right. Anyway, so choice system is a big problem in your life. Like a third of your problems, we say, comes from the world, comes from the fallen sin system. Third of your problems are that. Third of your problems are directly from the devil, though. He's the bringer of evil and sickness and disease and torment and, and depression. He's the bringer of that. So 33% is the devil, and then 33% is your fault. And that's why this message uh, was stagnant for many decades, hundreds of years. This message was stagnant because it puts responsibility on the human. That it's not all up to God. It's not because God's in control of everything. It's not because of his sovereignty that evil happens. 33% of it's because of you. All right. 
So those are the, oh, and the fifth reason we're going to talk about today. The fifth reason is because people ignore the voice of God. People ignore the voice of God. God is leading us into victory. We're ignoring it. God is trying to help us escape calamity. We're not hearing him ahead of time. Because of that, people suffer. We've, talked, we've already gone through this, but you need more. How many of you need more? You all need more. You all need more. And you need to start admitting some things and start preparing yourself. Start practicing now before the, start being a good football player now, practicing before the game. So when the game happens, you're not clueless. So when the game happens, you're not getting blown away. You're not getting whipped. You're not getting smashed by the opponent during the game. Coach, coach, tell me what to do. I tried to tell you the past six months of training. So what I want you to keep an ear open to is this highly spiritual thing today called the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of God inside you. It'd be nice if God would burn a bush to tell us something. It'd be nice if there was a megaphone from heaven telling you left, right, no, go. It'd be nice, right? It'd be easy. It wouldn't put any responsibility on you. Honey, I think I hear the trumpet. Let's go outside and listen. Yep, yep, that was, that's God's megaphone. What are you saying, God? Repeat that for me. Okay, I'll repeat that for you. Honey, we must go to work today. You have to know on the inside to go to work. So Proverbs 20, verse 27, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. The King James says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Another translation says the spirit of man is the lamp of Jehovah, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So what is it saying? It says the spirit of man is important. What is the spirit of man? Well, it's something you can't see. The spirit of man is the real you. The spirit of man is the thing that lives inside this body. It's the real you. The spirit of man, the real you on the inside, is the lamp of God. What does that mean? Well, if, if God wants to light your path, he's going to turn the lamp on. Simple as that. If God wants to talk to you, it's going to be through the lamp. If he wants to lead you and guide you, he's going to turn the light on, on the inside, on the ins, on the inside, on the inside of you. So therefore, Christians who know the truth cannot, cannot look at outward circumstance to decide if God's want me to do something. You cannot look at the outside and say, well, the door's open. I guess that's God. You cannot God, if you want me to get married, just have somebody ask me. <laughs> Look, Dingle Dork from Home Depot might ask you. That does not mean it's the will of God. God, if you want me to take this job, just have them call me back. It may not be the right job. You can't let circumstance and outward and visible things direct you. Why? Because God speaks to us on the inside. In the Old Testament, it was a little different. In the Old Testament, he couldn't speak to, to people on the inside. In the Old Testament, you had to follow the prophet. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. So it was like, what does the prophet say? Okay, okay, let's go do that. What is, where's, where's the prophet? We got to hear from God. Where, where's the prophet? Where's the prophet? Oh, what do you want us to do? What is God saying? 
Okay, we'll do that. That's Old Testament. The whole nation had to follow the prophet because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Now we have the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. How many sons of God in here? You're led by the Spirit of God. You're not led by prophets. You're not led by circumstance. You're not led by outward signs. You're not led by burning bushes. You're not led by Gideon's fleeces. You're not led by open doors and closed doors. You're not led by coincidences. Don't put too much emphasis on coincidences. It's nice to see sometimes that God orchestrated some things, and, but you need to have confirmation in your spirit, not just your brain and your eyeballs. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. In the Old Testament, you'll see how important the voice of God, let me just re- read some scripture, uh, how important the voice of God was for their success. This is not about you joined the team God and now y'all just automatically win everything. No, on team kingdom of God, there's a lot of interaction that has to take place. There's a lot of instruction and training and then execution if you're going to win, if you're going to succeed. It was even in the Old Testament. It says when you're in distress and all these uh, things or bad things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice. When he comes through, Deuteronomy 13, you shall walk after the Lord, your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. Deuteronomy 15, only if you carefully obey the voice of the Lord, your God to observe with care, all these commandments that I command you today, Deuteronomy 28, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord, your God. You'll, uh, if you don't, you'll be left few in number because you would not obey, obey the voice of the Lord your God. First Samuel 15, Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. Now, we don't sacrifice animals anymore, but back then they thought, oh, just sacrifice an animal, we'll be okay. Well, part of their life was to sacrifice for, and for atonement and for forgiveness of sins, uh, but, but God would prefer you just to obey. So don't you ever get to thinking that you're sacrificing a weekend whenever you come to church. He does not need you to sacrifice to come to church. That is not a sacrifice. You better do it because you're obeying you better do it because you're starting to delight in the things of God. Don't feel like church attendance or volunteering is a sacrifice. He's not interested. You coming and you serving is the, is the least you can do. That, that is the very least you can do. If you do it with the right heart, you'll get a reward. If you think you're sacrificing something on the, in the name of God, you, you won't get a reward when you get to heaven. Might as well stay home. 
Well, I got to go sacrifice a bit so I can get a point or two. You, you don't get any point. You get negative points. <laughs> Just stay home. Okay, don't stay home. Come so you can get the stupidity driven out. I used to, when we started the church, when we started the church a long time ago, just a few people would come every Sunday, you know, seven people, 15, 20. And I'd tell them, look, you're not getting any points by coming to church. And then the next week there'd be half the, there'd be 10 people. <laughs> Pastor Joni's like, stop telling them they don't need to come to church. <laughs> like, hey, I'm challenging them. And it was working too. Look, we, we know that everybody needs a little mercy and we've got to have patience and long suffering on everybody. At the same time, who else is going to challenge you? If you're not going to challenge yourself and obey the voice of your conscience, who's going to challenge you? And so I have to challenge you. And so you, if, you're, if you're still not convinced, just keep coming. Let me challenge you. You know it's right anyway. You're not going to miss anything. Nobody that's not here is not missing anything out there. You're going to get to eat brunch and lunch and dinner and all of it today. You're not going to miss anything. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So obeying the voice of God is crucial, essential. If you're going to escape some suffering, overcome evil, you're going to have to learn how God speaks. Where, do, where does he, if he wants to speak to you, where is it going to be? It's not going to be in your ear. So you, you don't be walking around, God, where are you? You should be looking in, God, my spirit, man, I need to hear from God. Even if you look in the Old Testament, Jericho, remember the, the nation of Israel took Jericho. How'd they do it? Well, ultimately they did it with a shout. They shouted the walls of Jericho down, but only because God told them to. You're going to have to follow the Spirit of God so that He can tell you what's needed for your miracle. Amen. Amen. You also see in the Old Testament that many times He said, well, what do you have? He, he caused them to do miracles with whatever they had in their hand. Amen. He asked Moses, they're, they're stuck at the Red Sea. He says, what, what is that in your hand? It's a stick. He said, just stretch it across the sea. Your miracle is pretty close to you. When, when Elisha needed to, to cure the, the pot that had poison in it, he just, what do I have? I have some salt. Let me throw the salt in. Boom. Now the thing's healed. Whatever's in your hand, plan it. What do you have? You need some finances? What do you have? I ain't got nothing. You got something, plan it. Do something with what you've got. So miracles require you to hear from God. Miracles require so Jericho was taken with a shout, but ultimately, that, I mean, that was the end. But to even get to Jericho, Joshua commanded them to not fear. You better obey those scriptures that say don't fear. Amen. Don't go straight to prayer. I mean, don't go straight to making your request to God if you're full of fear. First, deal with the fear. Amen. He said, be strong. And, and then he said, send spies to go view the land, meaning get a vision. There's, there's instruction, there's steps of the, the Lord, there's, there's steps of the Holy Spirit leading us to our victory. It's not just flick of the switch, it's not just snap the finger, it's not magic wand from heaven, it's follow the Spirit to get there. They had to go get a vision. <clears throat> and, then, uh, and then they met Rahab, the harlot, remember? 
That was a divine connection they needed. So God's leading you to divine connections. I remember early on in the ministry, uh, you know, I didn't really have much of a ministry, but I knew that I was going to go do something. And I was going to, uh, you know, uh, uh, fire up the churches somewhere. And, and God, in my spirit, one, one day or one week, I had this inclination in me to go buy a little globe, a little office globe, you know. I just had this little unction in me. Where'd that unction come from? Come from the Holy Spirit. I, I never cared about a globe. But I know the Bible says go into all the world. And so I was connecting the dots, but I just had this unction. I need to get a globe. And so I went and bought a globe at the store and put it in my office. Uh, Within like two weeks, I was headed to Kenya. Or maybe it was within about a month, I was headed to Kenya. God had to get me ready for it. God had to get me thinking about further than Houston. So you can't just automatically get to the will of God for your life. You've got to follow all the little steps in it. <clears throat> then to get to Jericho, they had to put the ark in the water. Go stand in the water, River Jordan and dry up the river so we can all cross. Lots of little steps before. Then you get to the walls of Jericho and the prophet from God hears this and says, okay, let's march around one time for seven days. They had to march around for seven days. And on the seventh day, you're supposed to march around seven times, then, then you're supposed to shout. All those specific instructions in order for them to get the miracle, take the promised land. Your promised land is going to take a few steps. Amen. Hallelujah. Why not just flip, f- snap the finger? Why not just do whatever you wanted to do, knowing that God was going to answer? Uh, I think it's because this whole life with God is like a dance. He leads and we follow. Couples dancing, not just solo (laughs) hip hop. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Shouting is part of it sometimes, but sometimes not. Jesus didn't always shout. He, He did shout a couple times, but other times he just spit on them. If you, if you think you might have a spitting ministry, at least try it on yourself first. Make sure it works. Sometimes Jesus just gave an instruction. You, you got to listen and you got to obey. Go to Acts chapter 8 here. Though basically, the Holy Spirit is our helper in partaking of this great table set before us. Remember Psalm 23, God has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. So there's a table set. It it doesn't mean all enemies are gone and and, and everything's hunky-dory and perfect, but it means you can eat in the middle. You can eat the children's bread right in the middle of the devil's work in the world. You can have healing and deliverance. You can have blessing and joy and peace. You can have answers to prayer and miracles right in the middle. But the Holy Spirit is the one that helps you partake of the table. You must get familiar with the Holy Spirit. And this is where we recognize the word conscience. The word conscience is a Greek word that it it, it means con, with, and science, knowing. With a knowing. So your conscience is the voice of your spirit man. Your conscience is the voice of the, the, the Holy, the Lord turns your light on in your spirit And your conscience says, light is on, light is on. 
Green light, red light, yellow light. Look for more light. Your conscience is the voice that leads and guides you. So sometimes people say, well, the Holy Spirit said to me. Well, usually they're probably talking about the Holy Spirit told my spirit, my spirit told my head. My conscience knew. I knew. You heard that before? I had a knowing. Okay, that's primarily how God's going to lead you is with a knowing. Not with a sentence, not with a word from God, not with a word from the Holy Ghost, but with a knowing in your spirit, man, that is communicated via your conscience. Like, I just know not to sin, right? You don't need God to say, don't do that and that. You know, you know, does that make sense? Well, I was about to sin and God said, don't sin. No, you know that he said, don't sin. So you're following, you're supposed to follow your conscience and you're not supposed to violate your conscience. So your conscience is the voice of your spirit with knowing. And that's why we say your knower needs to be in faith. And when you're in faith, you'll know it because it's in your spirit, man. So, so conscience is important. And that word conscience is never used in the Old Testament. Not one time is it used. Conscience is never the word translated in the Old Testament. Why? Because people's conscience was not alive. You had to get born again before your conscience could really, before you could really trust your conscience. Now everybody has a conscience, but it's sleepy until you're born again. Now, David mentioned his, uh, the reins of his heart, uh, but David, he skipped a lot of things from the Old Testament. And so when you read the Psalms, he talks a little bit like a Christian, even though he was jumping ahead because he didn't really have it exactly like we had, but, but God gave it to him anyway. Uh, one time David said, my heart smote me. Well, that, what's he saying? My conscience convicted me. So you'll see a little bit of it, but you won't see that word conscience because it's special to us. Uh, in the New Testament, you see it a whole bunch. Paul used it a whole bunch. Paul said, uh, looking at the council, he said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Acts 24, he said, I always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. Romans 9, he said, I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. And you go back to read uh, Romans 8, where it says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And then it says that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. How do you know you're saved? The Spirit bears witness in here. I just know that I'm saved. I just know it. How do you know you're saved? Well, first of all, the Bible says that if you confess Jesus as Lord, you're saved. Okay, so you got the scripture, but you also have this witness of the Spirit where you just know you're saved. How many of you know you're saved? How many of you know if you died accidentally today, you'd go straight to heaven? Hallelujah. How do we know that? The Spirit's in us, and he's witnessing, and he's, he's, he's yelling, yeah, yeah, you're saved. Just close your eyes and, oh no, don't close your eyes. Just look to the Holy Spirit and say, am I saved? And then he's going to go, yeah, you're saved. With a smile. It's very precious, very comforting. He witnesses, yeah, you're okay. You're okay. You're saved. You have eternal life. I'll never take it away. I'm with you. The Holy Spirit bears witness. We just know we are. That's the same feeling you're going to get when you're on the road and you need to decide left or right. 
Matter of fact, you need to practice that. When I started learning some of these things, I'm like, I, I, I don't know what that feels like. I better practice. And one day I'm driving down Bel Air here in Houston. I'm driving down Bel Air and I needed to get somewhere downtown. And my thought was, uh, the quickest way is, is, is hop on the beltway and skedaddle over during traffic. Uh, but then my, my spirit, wait, what was it? No, the quickest way was to go Bel Air to 59. And so my head's like, yeah, well, this is how I always go. This is the quickest way. And, but, but something felt wrong. In my spirit, it just felt wrong. Uh, didn't feel, it felt a little scratchy, like, oh, I don't really want to go that way. But it's the right way. I don't, I don't really want to go. Ooh, I, don't, I don't know that I feel right about that. Something didn't seem right in, in my spirit. And uh, sometimes we've said before that it just felt awkward. Like Brother Hagin used to say that it felt like you're taking a shower with your socks on. Like you can take a shower with anything on, but it feels weird. Like I'm taking a shower and everything seems okay, but something's off. That's all you get sometimes from God, just a tiny little scratch. Not a thump on the head, not a loud voice, not some, you know, wall in front of you. Just a little sense, you know, boy, my, my reasoning says this way, but oh, it doesn't seem right. And I caught it and I thought, I think this is the Holy Spirit trying to lead me. And so I decided I'm going to test this. And instead of going where my spirit wanted to go, which was the beltway, I went with what my head thought. And I knew I was doing this. People say, how did you know that was going to be a problem? Same way. I knew the Holy Spirit would let me do this little testing. And so I stayed on Bel Air and I kept driving. And it wasn't about a quarter mile down the road. And, and there was a huge traffic jam. Like a mile of traffic from where I was to 59. I thought, this is very, very abnormal. I knew it. And I made a U-turn and went the beltway. My test was, was right. I was learning how to sense the Holy Spirit leading me. Just on a simple thing. Practice on something simple. Now, if I hadn't have been thinking about it and I hadn't have noticed it, uh, then, then you need to be alert to the emergency. It could have been an emergency. Like, do not go that way. But this was, this was different. This was just a simple leading. And, and many times that's, even if it is an emergency, that's how it's going to feel. It's going to feel just a little slight. We wish that it was severe that the blinking light would come. It doesn't. It comes the same way as that still uh, uh, little scratch inside. So when the Holy Spirit's wanting, wanting you to halt, uh, he'll scratch you a little bit. Just a little bit of a scratch. And when, when he uh, wants you to keep going or when it's right... He gives you a little belly rub, just a little, just a little softness, a little belly rub. How many of you like belly rubs? Don't raise your hand. Just a little, just a little, just a little, everything's, everything's okay. Just keep coming, keep coming. But then when it's not right, just a little tug, just a little tug. That's all you get. And you're going to have to get sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit. And that's one reason why we say, look, you need to spend some intimate devotion time with, with God every day. Time with the Holy Spirit every day. Time praying in tongues every day so that you can connect your tongue to your spirit, bypassing your brain, and all of a sudden your spirit, man, is more in control than your brain. How many of you got a smart brain? Few people aren't ashamed. Most of your brains are pretty smart, at least you think you are. But you don't live your Christian life with your smart brain. You got to live with your spirit, man. Uh, 
this simple little leading is how uh, Pastor Joni and I found this property. Our, our former building was over on the Beltway, and so we had never really been in this area much, but we were there for a couple of years, uh, a couple uh, more years, and then a couple more years. And, and the whole time, to be honest, I was a little concerned because I know that as a pastor with a congregation, you have to select, at some point, you've got to select a permanent location. That's a big deal, Right? You got to get, you got to nail that. You got, you got to do that in the will of God. That's a very important. So I was a little bit concerned. I'm like, oh, I kind of dreaded the, the thought of having to hear from God for all of us. Just to be honest, I was dreading it for a couple years. Uh, and then one day, Pastor Joni and I were driving down Eldridge and we look over and we see this land and we looked at each other. That's it. We knew this land was where we were going to build a church. That's why we're here. Only because we knew it. Not because of a voice, not because of a sentence, not because of some big deal, some great financial deal. Matter of fact, it was a terrible financial deal. We could have gone out in the country. We could have gone further out, paid way less money. Like, who wants to buy land for five point something million dollars? Nobody. <laughs> and we're like, that's our land. So I, I, the next day, I'm straight over here talking to the owner. He goes, it's not for sale. How could it not be for sale? This is the land God showed us. I said, I'm going to give you an offer anyway. By the end of the month, we gave him an offer. He said, no. But we knew this was our land. How'd we know? We just knew. We just knew. And, and so then, uh, okay, fine. Three months later, came, came back over, gave him another offer. And our offer was we're going to buy a little bit and then we'll buy the rest later. Within three years, we'll have the whole thing. But he didn't want to do that. And so uh, we, gave him a, we gave him a year to think about it. Brought him another offer. He said no. Hmm. But this is our land. We told the church, this is our land. We found our land. Let's go walk on the land. Let's go pray. Let's, everybody believe God. Let's raise some money to buy the land. So we began that process. Uh, and then, but the land wasn't for sale and he wouldn't sell it. And then, and then, so we waited another year for him, gave him another year to think about it, gave him another offer. We would buy five acres. We would buy six acres. Then we would add to it. He said, no. The thought is, look, we need another place. So maybe we go look around. At least that was my thought. It's like, fine, I'll go find a cheaper place. And I, I'd look on Google Map. I'd look at Google Map for a whole month, looking for land, doing research. And then every once in a while, I'd take off and go look, look at a piece. And, like, eh, 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 eh. and then I'd, Pastor Joni, get in the car. We're going to go look at this piece of property. We get about halfway there, and she's like, eh. I don't even feel like going. Turn around. <laughs> eh, eh. The whole time knowing, knowing this was it. Like, okay, God's going to force us to buy this piece. We're going to have to fight this fight. Listen, sometimes the will of God requires you to fight. Amen. Sometimes the will of God for your life is not just easy. Well, if it was easy, if it was God, it'd be easy. No, no, Jericho wasn't all that easy. You know, sometimes you got to endure. Sometimes you got to expect. Sometimes you got to really hang in there Amen. so that the will of God will come to pass. 
Well, I want to get healed this week. Well, it might take five. Well, I want this, I want this to happen to me. And so we just, but the, the reason we're here today is because we knew it was the will of God. We were led. God never changed his mind. He could have, I guess he could have. Uh, he could have gone to plan B if we were stubborn. But for some reason, you're here because we heard from God and endured to get here. And then finally, after way too many years to count, the owner finally said yes. But he never said yes until we offered to buy the whole piece at once. We had to stretch our faith to, to, for $5 million. It's like, I, I knew that was, I knew that, that deep down, I knew God's going to make us buy the whole thing. I knew it. I, I dreaded it. Because my faith wasn't there. So the Holy Spirit had to lead us and help us and move us and, and do all these things to get us here. And it did, it did require human faith. But we're here. Now it's all just history. And now, now we're just looking at the next family coming to be blessed by God. He needed us right here in this location, right here in this quadrant of the city, right between the four roads that he told us in the beginning. We ended up right in the middle of the four roads that he told us we'd be in the middle of. He wouldn't let us go east of the beltway, wouldn't let us go west of Highway 6, wouldn't let us go below I-10, wouldn't let us go above 290. And if you look at the map, this is the closest piece of property to that area. I mean, to the middle of that quadrant. Or that section. It was interesting. I had written a book in 2009, pretty close to after we had known this was the property. And in the book, talked about being led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and it says, and so I was led by the Spirit in this. I, I knew who to marry by this inward witness. And then it said, and, I, and we knew which property to purchase by this inward witness. In 2009, and I was thinking, wow, we hadn't purchased it yet. I hope I don't have to edit the book. We didn't have to edit the book. <laughs> so you got to get familiar with uh, the voice of God and how the Holy Spirit witness feels in you. 90% of your Christian life is going to be led by the inward witness. Some of you might get to hear the spoken voice of God audibly. Usually people hear that in real severe cases of dire emergency or strict correction. So don't be wanting to hear that. Most of what, and then some people might hear some sentences from God. Uh, we've heard sentences. It, it, it'll come here, but it'll end up in your mind and you'll know that God has spoken these exact words. So that's, that's a, a viable option. But most of it's going to be Holy Spirit inside your spirit. You're going to have to know how he speaks, how, he, how it feels when he's nudging you one way or the other. Hallelujah. Uh, we, we've heard of many stories of people either being led around danger or not listening and falling uh, prey to the devil's trap or the world's calamity. A well-known preacher had, had this story. He said that uh, he and a bunch, or he and several other ministries were headed to Africa to do this big conference in Africa. 
And uh, they got to Africa, and before the second leg of their trip to the final destination, this preacher felt in his spirit, he said, I cannot go. I cannot go any further. That's a big deal when you got a big plan and everybody's expecting you. But he just felt like, I cannot go. And so he decided to stay in that, in that middle leg of the flight. And so he did. Everybody else went to that town, hopped in the, the vans to head to wherever their destination was. And they got mugged and shot and every one of them died. Is it possible? Yeah. How come God let that happen? Don't say it that way. Don't say it that way. Don't say it that way. Don't, don't try to be God and decide, well, I wouldn't have never let that happen to people. Look, this whole life is a working relationship with God. And like we've said before, he will allow the end to come quicker than it should rather than violate this holy, intimate relationship with his people that he needs. It just is special to him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You're going to have to believe God if you're going to get the blessing. He just won't violate that. And uh, then we've also heard of stories where somebody didn't listen and their plane crashed. <laughs> I think the less, so, so we have a friend, uh, Jim Zirkle. It was a big, uh, he was a preacher and a missionary back in the uh, 80s, 90s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, well known amongst all of us and had his own plane and did missionary work from Honduras. And uh, his plane went down and he died and his son died and several people died in the crash. That was a huge deal in the faith groups uh, because he was very precious and very well known and everything. And then so you got to wonder, well, what really happened? Well, it was a hurricane and the first plane he sent on ahead of time and they made it. Uh, and, and then he said, I'll just come after. And he was weary and everybody was weary and they were trying to beat the hurricane, uh, pressing through. And a lot of times that's what happens. People try to press through, but you can only press through if the Holy Spirit lets you. Amen. And so those around him have admitted, you know, he had a sense that probably they shouldn't be flying. But sometimes we were so tough, we'll just, and we trust in God and we press through. Well, trusting God includes you following him, Amen. allowing him to halt you. Uh, even Dr. Ed Dufresne, our dear friend who's now in heaven, his small plane went down uh, and he died. And then Nancy Dufresne tells the rest of the story publicly so we can tell it that uh, Ed knew that he shouldn't be flying in that plane. She knew that they shouldn't be flying in that plane. Matter of fact, a year prior, she told him, I am not flying in that plane anymore. Something's wrong. But he kept flying in it. And she admits this, that, uh, you know, he was, he was kind of a bulldog about things and, and he was just going to, he was going to do it by faith and whatever. So he just kind of overrode it all and, you know, Got to use the plane till its last bolt falls off. Well, it did. So why, why did God let such a great man of God go to heaven early? Well, it wasn't that he let him. Don't say it that way. It's just sometimes we miss God. And he's in heaven. Praise the Lord, he's in heaven. And he's still got videos. You can still get his ministry if you want it. It's sad for everybody, but on the other hand, it ain't that sad. People go to heaven. We work so hard to get everybody to heaven, but every time somebody goes, it's like, oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> well, the goal. We achieved the goal. But why did it have to happen like that? Nobody's ever happy with any way that somebody goes, whether they knew ahead of time or whether they didn't know ahead of time. They're not happy. 
We, we need to make sure we have a, a healthy, mature mindset. If you really believe in heaven and eternal life, you can get over things a lot easier. And that's why Pastor Nancy has a book uh, on, on practicing the peace of God. It, she wasn't moved at all. People were mad at her for not grieving. I mean, she had, she had her own few moments, but for the most part, no blip of sorrow and grief and valley. It was just, she was ready. She can handle stuff like this. You, you should be able to handle stuff. Uh, I know another preacher, well-known preacher, you would know of him. He was at the airport, Dr. Jesse DePlantis. Uh, he was at the airport, and he was about to get on a commercial flight. And he, he was at the check-in counter, and he said, I can't get on that plane. They said, no, no, it's about to, it's about to take off. You gotta. He said, I can't get on that plane. Something's wrong with that plane. I can't get on that plane. And somebody was there, and, and the, so the, the, the check-in person said, Okay, well, you don't have to fly if you don't want to. Uh, who wants to take his seat? And so somebody took his seat. And so he, he goes and sits down, and the plane taxis off. And the plane taxis back, parks back at the gate. Some mechanical failure. They all get off the plane, got to get a new plane. And, and he says, can I have my seat back? And he got on the next flight and left. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Uh, you've heard me tell the story of Rick Renner, but I think it's worth it. Um, so Rick Renner, was, uh, he's, a, he's a good teacher. He's, he's now in Russia. He's got a church in Russia for the past 10 years or so. And uh, doing great work and uh, just known around the body of Christ for being such a wonderful teacher. But um, he was in Chicago one year doing a conference. And uh, with some other preachers, and he had preached his sessions, and he was done preaching. And uh, but it was the night before the last meeting, and you know, if you're called to go preach at a conference, you want to stick it out. You don't want to just do your part and leave. And so he said, "Well, I, I need to go." To the, you know, he and his wife were getting ready to go to this meeting, and the uh, final meeting. He wasn't preaching, and he said, "Honey, I just don't feel right about going." He said, "I just, I just don't feel right about going." He's like, "But I got to. I gotta go." It's the right thing to go. She's like, well, if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. He said, oh, I guess I'll go. So he kept getting ready and kept getting ready, but he kept feeling like just a sense that something's off and I, I really shouldn't go. And he said it to her again. He said, I don't think, I just don't think I should. You should go, but I don't think I should go. She's like, that's fine with me. I'll go without you. It's no big deal. He said, but what are people going to think? She's like, don't worry about it. I'll tell them. It's no big deal. And... Um, so they, they went on. He, he said, well, I'll just go ahead and go. So he went ahead and finished getting dressed. And the guy came to the hotel to pick him up. And uh, they got in the car. And he said, honey, I just still don't know if I should go. Uh, and and the, the driver even looked back and said, I can take you right back to the hotel if you want. He said, no, no, just go ahead. Just go ahead. And so they get to the, the place of the meeting, the convention place or the church or whatever. And he's walking in to the lobby. And as he gets into the lobby, he says, honey, I just can't. I just can't be here. Something's just wrong. You know, you don't get the, the whole answer from God. He just knew in his spirit. He said, I, I got to go back to the room. She said, okay, honey, no problem. So he gets the driver and they get in the car to go back to the room. And on the way back to the room, uh, he needed some, uh, some items from the 
from the pharmacy or whatever. So he, you know, toothbrush, something like that. So he said, hey, can you stop me by the store? So he got by the store and spent another 5, 10, 15 minutes getting his stuff, got back in the taxi or the whoever was driving him, drove back to the hotel. And he goes up, gets into his room, opens up the door, and instantly he realizes what happened, why, was, why he was led to stay. The hotel room was ransacked. They had sto- they had, somebody came in and stole everything, stole his laptop. He said he had like several books in process on it. That was before the cloud was so popular. I think it was 05. Uh, he said on the bed were jewelry piles and the, the thief had enough time to separate all the jewelry into the most expensive and they only took the most expensive jewelry and his passport and his visa and his credit cards and whatever he didn't have on him was taken. And he's like, I knew it. What did he know? He knew he was supposed to stay. If he would have stayed, the knock at the door that was testing to see if he was there, he'd have said, he'd opened the door and they'd have left, right? If he'd have stayed in the room like he sensed. So that's a negative part of this that, hey, look, you're supposed to obey that even if you don't know what's going on. What's strange is you have to obey and you may never know the answer. Why you couldn't go, why you had to stay, why you had to go left instead of right, why you had to tell a person no. You may never know the answer. Because if somebody had knocked and his wife come and, and he would have opened the door and the person would have gone away and the, and the theft wouldn't have happened, his wife would have come back at the end of the meeting and, and said, okay, so tell me how come you had to stay here? He'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> and you got to be okay with that. And you can't condemn your spouse because of it. You can't put that on people. If we're following the Lord, you're going to have to let people follow the Lord. And if you're following the Lord, you're going to have to be confident and bold about it. Well, if I don't go, they, they won't understand. Who cares? You'll live. So uh, fast forward, I think, to the end of the year or the next year. In December, his family living in Russia, he said that on Christmas time is the best time to travel uh, because the fares go down. And he said so he and his family were planning on taking a vacation to Sri Lanka. And so uh, they, he was on the computer and they were scheduling it all. And, uh, you know, it was a big thing for his, his whole family to go. And um, he, said, he said, family, everybody come in here. I got an announcement to make. He says, uh, I'm very sorry, but we cannot go. They said, how come? How come? I don't know. <laughs> but I got that same feeling that we can't go on this trip. Everybody's disappointed. They canceled the trip. And that's the year that the huge tsunami hit Sri Lanka. And the hotel they were planning to stay in is the main hotel that got demolished by the tsunami. Just by a sense, just by a knowing. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that God wants a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And, and listen, if you'll do this, It'll make your day so happy to know that he is leading and guiding you. And then that's all you got to do. Stay close to God. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You'll have victory. You'll have safety. You'll have more miracles. You'll have more successes. Your business will be better. Your self-employed business will be. You'll get more promotions. You'll be better at work. 
You'll be a better parent if you'll follow the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Spirit, not your children. Be led by the Spirit. Oh, did I say that out loud? Be led by the Spirit. Even if your children get to have their way sometimes, make sure the Spirit says it's okay. Spouses, you can love each other better if you'll follow the Holy Spirit. If you'll let the Spirit stop your tongue from talking at the wrong time and saying some of those things and having that attitude, this is how you start practicing your conscience, following your conscience. Paul said, I have lived in all good conscience. Does it mean he was perfect? No, but he's trying. We know nobody's perfect, but at least you got to be trying. So when you violate your conscience, you need to admit it. When you, when you know, when you said something and did something and had an attitude you shouldn't have had, you better admit it. Otherwise you're going to sear your conscience. You're going to, if you start ignoring your conscience too much, uh, you will harden your heart toward your kids, toward your spouse, toward your boss, toward life, toward God. Your conscience needs to be soft and pliable. Your conscience needs to be healthy so that you can hear the voice of God. So you, you got to live a life not ignoring your conscience. The inward witness is how God's going to lead you into victory. Isn't that exciting? Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.